0: Hey, Nina Rao here, producer of NPR's Book of the Day. It's August, and we're taking a little time off. While we do, we're sharing some of our favorite episodes from this past year. This is one of them, and we're back with new episodes next week. Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. By her own evaluation, Lan Samantha Chang's first book, Inheritance, told the Chinese immigrant story from a more subdued perspective. Her characters were quiet, hiding their past traumas, suffering in silence, hoping to just move on which is part of the Chinese immigrant experience, but it's not the entirety of it. In her new book, The Family Chow, she writes about a family that's loud, brash, on the verge of being verbally abusive to each other, which is to say a very American family in a way. She told NPR Scott Simon about wanting to expand the mold of what a Chinese-American family might look like and how she was inspired by a writer who is neither Chinese nor American, Dostoevsky.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox. Discover powerful new series like Three Little Birds and BAFTA-winning drama Time, starring Bella Ramsey, Tamara Lawrence, and Jodie Whittaker. Stream the best of British TV only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. We all hear things differently, and that can be tough when there's so much noise. This election year, we're a space to speak up and to listen. Listen to 1A for the latest on election 2024, only from NPR.
0: When Leo Chow was murdered at his fine chow restaurant, it makes many people in Haven, Wisconsin, remember their fine times over scallion pancakes, steaming soup and dumplings, as well as their respect for a hardworking immigrant family that includes his wife Winnie, and all three sons who earned their way into top schools. With Leo's death, family secrets and resentments are revealed, as in Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov. Lan Samantha Chang writes in her new novel, The Family Chow, no one could have believed that such good food was cooked by a bad person. Lan Samantha Chang, who is the author of the previous novel, all is forgotten, nothing is lost, and is also director of the Iowa Writers' Workshop, joins us now from Iowa City. Happy Year of the Tiger, and thanks so much for being with us. Thanks. Happy New Year to you, too. We mentioned Dostoevsky because you you really did find some inspiration there, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't read that novel until I was 40 years old, and I became so obsessed with it that I instantly started holding these non-credit, slightly coercive group discussions with my graduate students where I would make them promise to read it so I'd have someone to talk to about <laughs> who'd read it.
0: <laughs> so what did it set off in you, do you think, when you, uh, when you came to write The Family Chow?
1: At the time, I think I was undergoing a rebellion from the rules of writing that I had been taught. Mm -hmm. And I found in Dostoevsky this tremendous kind of permission to break these rules. And once I got started, I really couldn't stop.
0: What are the rules to writing fiction? I asked the director of the Iowa Writers Workshop.
1: (laughs) Well, so there are no rules, but...
0: That's what I thought, yeah.
1: Right. But when I was growing up, like in my 20s, when I was learning to write fiction, I had a series of beloved teachers... They had ideas um, that they really felt we needed to impress into our brains. Some of those included, for example, um, using as few words as possible, using as little dialogue as possible, and also the big one, no exclamation points.
0: I've been told that. Wait, I've been told that. How is that?
1: (laughs) My novel has 419 exclamation
0: points. Oh. Well, help us understand Leo Chow, the the father of the family. Uh, He leaves complicated thoughts and memories with his family and and people he knew in Haven.
1: Well, Leo is a sort of unreconstructed tyrant, a larger-than-life tyrannical man who came to this country to make a fortune and does pretty well at his Chinese restaurant in a small fictional town
0: in Wisconsin. Let's put it this way. He has impressed a lot of people, and he has hurt some people.
1: Yes, he has definitely driven his wife to a point where she's decided to leave him and go join a casual spiritual community of Buddhist nuns, and he has angered his oldest son, who wants to take over the business.
0: This is Dago, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is Dago. He's telling Dago, his oldest son, that he's not going to give him a partnership after Dago's been working for the restaurant for six years.
0: Uh, And there's Ming, who is financially successful, but has, has personal challenges. James is the youngest. One of the sons is charged with murder. I'm not going to give anything away. And there's a trial, as there is in the Brothers Karamazov. But you're much funnier than Dostoevsky. What are some of the challenges of trying to work wit into a story like this?
1: You know, it's interesting. I thought The Brothers Kermasov was pretty funny. I mean, it's funnier than, say, Crime and Punishment.
0: I guess if those are the only two options, yes. But I, yeah.
1: I did find myself enjoying the writing of this book so much that um, humor just became a part of it. Mm -hmm. I've written three books, and some of my friends have said to me, the books don't really reflect all of me because I actually can be funny, and they're not funny at all. So... I just gave myself permission to try to be funny.
0: You, I gather you grew up in a large Chinese family in Appleton, Wisconsin. Yes. Did you want to write a novel that kind of broke the mold in the minds that a lot of people might have of Chinese families? Well, if it
1: turns out to be that way, I can understand the process that I went through that made that happen. Mm -hmm. Which was essentially that I started writing at a time when... A kind of understated, uh minimalist quality was was admired. And that kind of dovetailed with a certain silence that happened in my family around anything to do with the past, what my parents had been through, what my father had been through during the Sino-Japanese War, and what, what they'd been through afterwards. Um, as a result, my first book had a had a very understated, um, kind of quiet suffering in it. That, I think, um, is one immigrant story. But the whole time I was writing that book, I felt like I wasn't getting it quite right. And as time has gone on, I've started to think about ways in which I could portray us as, you know, portray not us, my family, but portray a family, a fictional Mm -hmm. Chinese family, as having the same just spirit that we had. We were loud. We were like angry and we were kind of verbally abusive to each other at times. I mean, we were just all full of life and I wanted to put that into a book as well. So in that way, I think the book is different um, from the immigrant novel as it's come to be known. Another thing about The book is that it describes the lives of immigrants who've been in the United States for over 35 years. And at this point, they've done a lot of bad things as well. It's not simply that society is making their lives hard. They've made other people's lives hard. And this is...
0: Well, they're, they're human.
1: Yes, they're human beings. And they've become themselves in the new country. The complicated thing in the book, however, is that the people around them still see them as Chinese even Mm -hmm. though they've started to move on and see themselves as post-immigrants.
0: Yeah. I wonder when you finished a novel like uh, The Family Chow, do you begin to think about what's next?
1: I do. And, you know, I have a terrible time in between projects. I take a long time. None of the books I've written has been similar to the Mm -hmm. others. They've all been very different. And I can't tell whether the— sort of sea change I went through in order to write this book is going to stick with me in my next book. I'll have to wait until there's a quiet space in my mind for something new to come into it.
0: Lan Samantha Chang, her new novel, The Family Chow. Thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure.
1: From the campaigns to the conventions, from now through Election Day and beyond, the NPR Politics Podcast has you covered. As Joe Biden and Donald Trump square off again, we bring you the latest news from the trail and dive deep into each candidate's goals for a second term. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast every weekday. For the seventh year on the Code Switch Podcast, conversations about race and identity go way beyond the day's headlines. Because we know what's part of every person is part of every story. We're bringing that perspective with new episodes every week.
0: Listen on the Code Switch podcast from NPR.